Amen. Blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us thine we are. Thank you for that special music, Josie. Um, It's I always like to say it when I'm preaching. I'll say it for for Pastor Vigil here, but um, it's always interesting when the I I don't think they coordinated on their special music in the sermon, but the scripture reading is actually a verse from right immediately after Jesus died. Um, It's from Luke 23, verse 47. And how did he buy us? Bought us by dying for us, purchasing our our salvation and being the sacrifice for our sins. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. Luke 23, verse 47. Can you all hear me? Good morning and happy Sabbath. I am once again delighted and happy to be here with all of you. You know, I've been blessed as I visit uh, the different homes, you know, the weeks past. And if I haven't visited you yet, don't, don't think that I've forgotten you. It's just, it's taking me some time. But also, I think, you know, I'm visiting uh, you you know, the meals that I've shared, I think I, I need to watch my weight now. Uh, you know, I've been blessed to, uh, you know, keep my weight up, uh, keep a steady uh, flow of, you know, I'm not going to tell you how much pounds I weigh, but uh, I think I need to start running or something because, or else I let myself loose and, you know, I don't want that to happen. But, you know, I've I've enjoyed the times I've visited with each and one of you all and uh, you know, the ones that I, I have not yet, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. But we came to listen to the Word of God this morning. And this morning, the subject I will be preaching on is, Who is this man? Scripture reading, we read, and we'll go back, Luke. Luke chapter 23. I believe. No, I'm sorry. Yes. Verse 47. The Bible says, So when the centurion saw that he was, that he had, what had happened, he glorified God, saying, what does the Bible say? Certainly this was a righteous man. Let us pray. Lord, as we open your word, as you remind us what you have done for each and one of us, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit comes with a two-edged sword like uh, your word says it is. That if we've been complacent in our Christian walk, that today we may once again get that fire in us. Please use me, for I am a sinner, Lord. Be with us as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Who is this man? And for us to understand this question or to figure out who this man is, we're going to look back to another book of the Gospels, the book of Mark. What book did I say? Mark. So we're going to stay in the book of Mark. Now, Mark was written for an audience that were not Jews. They were Gentiles. They were people that were coming into Christianity because of Jesus Christ as they heard this great message. And so, you know, it's very interesting because Mark gives us this reader's digest of what the gospel is. We, we, the book of Mark is only 16 chapters. It doesn't go into too much details of what the life of Jesus was, but he gives us a very interesting theme, and that is that he poses the question throughout the whole book, who is this man? But along that question, he, he, he poses something very interesting. It's, it's this secrecy that Jesus did not, does not want the people to know who he is. So, so Mark is, is posing this question in the very beginning of, chap, of, of, the, of the book. You, you, when you read chapter 2, you see that Jesus heals this paralytic. And, and at the end of the story, people are asking, who is this man? But then you jump to chapter 4. After Jesus is with his disciples, he, he's, at, he's at the boat. There's a, a huge storm that uh, distresses the disciples. And he speaks, the Bible says, and the storm goes away. And towards the end, we see the same theme. The disciples are asking themselves, who is this man? When you jump to chapter 5, you look at Jesus. Jesus is called by this woman to resurrect her daughter. She's sick. Uh, the, the, the Bible tells us that Jesus goes. He picks certain disciples to go with him. And at the end, he heals her. He, he resurrects her. But there's a very interesting thing that Jesus does. And towards the end of the story, you see that Jesus says, Tell no one of what just happened. There's this secrecy in the, in the, in the book of Mark as well as this question being posed to the readers, who is this man? In chapter 6, people are still asking, who is Jesus? In chapter 7, we see that people are astonished by the teachings they are hearing about Jesus. Asking themselves, who can do all of these things? When we get to chapter 8, Jesus tells a blind man to, to, that, that he heals from Bethsaida to go and do what he needs to do, but to tell no one what he has done. It's very interesting. And you see the book of Mark, and you see how the, the Mark writes it, and, and Jesus, because he is healing because he, he, he's doing miracles, you know, miraculous things. He's attracting a crowd. He's attracting people. But yet, Mark is posing that question, who is this man? People in his days are asking, who is this man? But Jesus, as he heals, Jesus, as he, as he restores, he's also saying to those individuals, do not say what happened. Don't say who I am. But why? And throughout the letter, Jesus is attracting followers. 
Some are following him because of their own benefits, but some are also following because they, they truly need a savior. And so we get snippets of the life of Jesus. Then towards the end of the book, Luke shifts the way he is writing. He, the, the, the whole time he's asking this question, who is this man? And he's giving stories so we can get an idea of that, that this man is a special man, that this man is no ordinary man. He is someone that he wants to tell us about. And when we get to chapter 14 of Mark. Chapter 14 of Mark. We read of a transition. The leaders of his times are trying to plot something against Jesus. It is, is it, it is mentioned there that they're plotting to do what? To kill Jesus. And Jesus knowing, all of this is happening in chapter 14. Jesus knowing that his time is coming to an end. He has been walking with his disciples three and a half years. And and, and the disciples still have not figured out who this man is. They have seen miracles with their own eyes. and, And they have a clue as to who he is. But yet they have not understood the mission of Jesus. And sometimes we can be walking with God for many years. And we can still ask the question, who is this man? And this morning, I want to remind us that it is not right for us to be complacent in our Christian walk. Yes, we have been baptized and probably have walked with Christ for many a years, but that does not mean we have all the understanding of who this man is. It is a daily thing to walk with Christ. And many times, and it happens to me, that because of the busyness of life, because of work, because of the things that come our way, we forget what really matters. And Mark poses that question, who is this man? We see the Bible in Mark 14. Jesus, they they plot to kill Jesus. Jesus, knowing that he has but a little time, he goes and as custom, he celebrates the Passover. I, I can imagine that day, Jesus knowing what was going to take place a few uh, a few hours. After, yet the disciples had no idea. Yet Jesus, at time after time, had said, "I will be." crucified, I will lay my life down, but they had not understood that. The time was coming to a near where that was going to be fulfilled. And the Bible tells us in Luke that he goes and celebrates the Passover and he sits his, his, his disciples and, and he does something beautiful. He, he does something that they're not accustomed to do. He washes the feet of his disciples. A, 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 a rabbi who, who shouldn't have done that becomes a servant and he says, do this in remembrance of me. And they're asking themselves, who is this man. 
And so the book of, of, of Mark in chapter 14 goes, and, and, and we see that Jesus, uh, that Jesus does that, but then he, he predicts the, the denial of, the, of Peter. But then uh, in verse 14, uh, chapter 14, we also see that, that as he is going, he, he tells his disciples after the Passover has, been, has, has taken place, we need to go and do what? Pray. He had picked his favorite spots in Jerusalem, the Gethsemane. He had oftentimes had gone with his disciples to pray and talk with his father. And when we read chapter 74 of the Tire of Ages, Spirit of Prophecy depicts the scene, scenery that was taking place. Now, if imagine yourself, Jesus Christ healing. He was always the one to bring hope. He was always the one to bring salvation, to restore individuals that needed restoration. But this time, the Savior of the world needs comforting. This time, the Savior of the world wants to feel loved. And the only way he does that and knowing is that he needs to talk to his father. The spirit of, her prof- of prophecy tells us that if he is making his way to Gethsemane, you can see that the distress that was falling upon Jesus Christ. And the disciples not knowing what was taking place. The Bible tells us that as he's making his way, uh, the spirit of prophecy, I'm sorry, as he's making his way to Gethsemane, he is stumbling. For the very first time, his disciples are asking themselves, what's going on? And I don't know about you, but sometimes I think to myself, what it feels like to be separated from the Father. He had never felt a separation from the Father. And it was in those very hours that he was beginning to feel this separation. And the spirit of her prophecy tells us that he is stumbling and the disciples have to catch him or else he would have collapsed to the ground. Mark is describing the scenes of Gethsemane. He prays, we read the Gospels, the four Gospels gives us a better picture of what takes place in Gethsemane. We know the story. Jesus goes, he he takes uh, a couple of disciples and he says, do what? Pray for who? For me. The Bible tells us uh, that the disciples started praying, but they did what? They fell asleep. And many times we fall asleep, church. Many times we get too comfortable with sitting here in the pews and doing nothing. And I speak for myself as well. Because Christ calls all, not just the pastor. And so we see in the Gospels that Jesus comes back needing an encouragement, but he he finds his disciples fall fast asleep, and many times God wants to use us to declare who this man is, but we are asleep. Who is this man? 
Three times he pleaded with the Father, if it is your will, take this wrath away from me. But it, it is, I'm sorry, if it's my will, I want this wrath away from me. But if it is your will, Lord, I will take it. Because he saw you and I. He saw you and I. And he saw what his power, the blood of the lamb, the, the, the scars of his feet and hand could do in your life. Chapter 15 tells us that Jesus faces Pilate. Then he takes the cross that was not given to him because he, because he earned it. It was a cross that was never meant for him. Barabbas cross. We read in chapter 15 the mocking of Jesus by the leaders and people around him. And, and, and this has all taken place. The centurion has seen what, 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 what Jesus has gone through. He has seen the lashes on his back. He has seen the mockery around, uh, around him. He has seen things that people can do when the enemy is at work. And the Bible in Isaiah 53 speaks to us and says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And at the end of the book, closing the book of Mark, Mark writes, the answer about who this man is. Who is Jesus? Is That is the most critical, essential question one will ever answer. Mark 15, starting in verse 37. Chapter 15, verse 37. And Jesus, He's been he's crucified. Verse 37 says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple, verse 38, was torn into two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite, who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like, like this and breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. This man, after seeing what has been taking place, discovered a most precious insight. Mark writes that the centurion, someone who was not from a Jewish nation, recognizes that this man crucified is what? The Son of God. I pose a question, who is this man to you? Is he someone we follow for personal gain? Is he someone we use when we need him? Is, this, is he someone we look up to but do not want to commit to? Is he someone we like to feel love but we don't want, want to love him back? Is he someone who, who does not, who seems to be too harsh? Who is this man to you and I? Are we so comfortable that this man has become someone who we'd only pray to once a week? Who is this man? Do we not take time of our days to see who this man is? Do we contemplate at the last minutes of what Jesus Christ did for our lives? 
the centurion saw. Because I tell you, he is the king of kings. He is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the almighty, all-powerful, who has defeated death, who is the healer of healers. He is the Lord of lords. He is your savior. He is my savior. He is the son of God. He is the one who walked among men and brought hope for those who need it. He is the one that can save marriages and restore pieces in their homes. He is the one that can set free the captives. The one that can forgive any type of sin. The one that's grace can reach to the depths of sin and restore that individual. He is our Savior. Who is he to you? Who is he to the church of Marshfield? Is he the one to hold our hearts? Is he the one to rely upon when things get tough? Do we see what the the centurion saw that day? The God that the centurion saw was not a God who was controlled by any man, but is the savior to the world, to all mankind. When I was in West Virginia, I got to meet a pastor, and he told me a powerful story of Robert. When he was younger, in in those years, um, in in South America, the evangelistic series were not a month. They were 90 days. 90 days of preaching. Can you believe that? And as he began his 90-day series, as usual, pastors visits, you know, when a visitor comes in, you take the names of those visitors, and the pastor goes and visits. And as he's making his rounds to the neighborhoods of that, of that town, he tells me that there was this two young men who came and tried to rob him. It was late at night. And so with the knife, they, 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 they try to rob and say, give me all your money. And, you know, uh, he didn't have anything. So he said, look, I only have a watch and here's my wallet. You know, I'm just a preacher here. In 90 days, I'll be in town. You know, he was trying to do the gospel thing already. You know, please join me. But they said, no, we just want your money. And they left. And, I mean, he was scared. He thought he was going to die. And, and so he kept going. The days kept going. But one day, as he's preaching and, and he's seeing the crowd and, and he's seeing this young man kind of try, he's trying to hide himself. And, and, and he's preaching and, and he's thinking to himself, what's going on here? Why is this man trying to get my attention? And so as he's visiting still, his name comes up. He didn't know who this man was. He goes to the house. And as soon as he enters the house, he recognizes the, the young man that tried to rob him a few weeks ago. The, the, the young man comes to, to uh, greet him, but he recognizes the pastor, so he leaves. And the pastor said, I saw you. Why are you running? And so the pastor, you know, trying to get comfortable, he said, hey, where's my wallet? Where's my watch? 
pastor, uh, the guy said, I don't have it, Pastor. And he said, you know, he started telling him the story, his story, Pastor, I do not like you. I don't like you because ever since I've gone to those meetings, I, I, I can't live the way I've lived. So tell me your story. So Robert, with tears, says, Pastor, I grew up with a mother, mother in a brothel who took care of me were other women. And, and I didn't become the way I became just because that was, that was something I, I, I wanted to do. It was a choice that I had to make. See, Pastor, at the age of, of 12 years old, when my mom was diagnosed with tuber- tuberculosis, I had to do something. We had no money. I had no father. And so I remember as, as a preteen going down to, 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 the, to the big city, and the first thing I did because of desperation, I wanted to bring medication to my mother. She was dying. I went to a lady who had a chain of gold, and I ripped it, and I ran as fast as I could because I knew where the pawn shop was. And at that age, at 12, he explained to the pastor, it was, it was there where the innocence of, of, of a child was broken. And I began to do more things. What things led to another thing. Now I was not just uh, grabbing and stealing. I was using tools to scare people off. I was using guns. Uh, Pastor, I've done terrible things. I've, I've involved myself with drugs. I've, I've been a drug lord. And, and I've done things to people that I'm not proud of. And, and you're telling me that Christ can't forgive me? And the pastor looked at him and said, God, Christ is the Son of God. Christ is the Son of God. In Colossians, we read that all power has been given to Jesus. And he said, Pastor, but how? I cannot understand this. Pastor, explain to me how can he forgive all my sins? He said, I tell you what. You, 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 the pastor said, I tell you what, you, you don't have my wallet and my watch. I want you to do something. I have, I think at the time he had about two or three weeks left in that town. I have two or three weeks left. Let's, let's make a deal. You, you, you promise me that you will come every single day to the meetings and, and your debt will be paid. So, so, so the young man said, you know what, all right, I'll do that. And the pastor, I remember him telling, he says, you know, Marco, Every time he came, he made sure I knew I was there. he was there because he would say, like, he would go like this. So I knew he was there. But I knew also that those times that he was not there is because he had fallen into sin again. And so one day he said that he was finishing preaching and his mom came to the pastor and, and, and his mom said, Pastor, I need you to go get my son Robert. He, he is such and such place. He knew where he was. He was where the, drug, uh, you know, the drugs were passed down in the neighborhood. And so, uh, you know, he says that he was probably not thinking at the time. He was just thinking about Robert, and he went into those places. And as Robert saw him, he said, Pastor, you don't belong here. And the pastor said, I belong where Jesus has called me. 
And so he took him to the home and he says, and, 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 he, and it, it got to a, so, to, to, he was so desperate. Robert was so desperate that every time that he, he had cravings to do things that were not right, he would tell his mom, tie me to a chair so I will not sin against God. Because Robert had seen what the centurion had seen that day, the Son of God. And I pose the question to you. Who is this man to you? A pastor left. He was able to baptize Robert. A year later, he came back to the same district, and pastor tells me that he got word about Robert. Robert had become a great deacon in the church, someone who welcomed everyone in the church. But Robert was no longer there. So pastor asked, what was, well, where was Robert? They told him, Pastor, about a few months ago, the gang members, that, the gang that he belonged to, were trying to get rid of Robert. And so as he, as always usual, every Sabbath, he greeted people to come into church. These young men came. Robert recognized them, who, who they were. And he greeted them with love, with wide open arms. And, and we thought they were hugging each other. We thought they were just having fun because they were familiar with each other. But we, what we did not know is that he was being stabbed. Seven times to the body. The elder was telling the pastor how they took him to the hospital and, and the, the one that was, you know, they laid him in the back of the car and, and one elder was holding his head. And with a big smile, he looked at the elder and said, Elder, tell Pastor Bouillon that I'm going to meet him in heaven because I know who this man is. He is the Son of God who is my Savior. My dear brothers and sisters, who is this man? This week, I invite you to journey with Mark and the disciples to find for yourself what the centurion discovered, that Jesus is indeed the Son of Man who is and is to come. Look unto him, look unto Jesus last hours and allow the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and mind and show what he, what the centurion saw that day. So together with, uh, with our hearts full of joy, we can declare that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Pastor told me, Marco, you know, I think I know where to find Robert. In heaven. He may be at the tree of life. I want you to join with me so you can meet him in person. In church, I don't know Robert, but I know where he will be. And he will tell you the story even better in heaven because he discovered 
the answer to the question, who is God? Who is this man? He is the Son of God. Is our life a reflection of what we believe? Is our life a reflection of what we believe? Brothers and sisters, out there in our community are people in need of a Savior. And if they would know what we would know, how much on fire would they be? So let's not get complacent in our Christian walk. Let's meditate day after day on who this man is so he can transform our lives So that way the love that he has shared with us, we can share with others. And together, one day, meet Robert. Because we have also discovered who this man is. So my challenge for this week is that. That we open our word. We open our Bibles and and get filled with that love of God that we may become on fire for God, that no matter where we are, we tell others about who this man is. That is what I want. That's what I pray for. And that's what what I want our church to be, a beacon of light to others around us. If that is what you want, I'll ask for you to please stand up. And say to God, Lord, you know, there's sometimes I have to make this prayer. Father, I have not spent enough time with you today. I'm sorry. There's not enough time that I ponder in this question, who are you to me? Lord, forgive me. So I pray that as I pray this morning, this, this afternoon, you tell God what you need to tell him. Because he wants to be your Savior. He does not want us to be complacent. He does not want us to be comfortable. He wants us to be on fire for him. Let us pray. Father in heaven, your word as we studied in the Sabbath school is power. Through your Holy Spirit, you are able to convict us and, and, and change the way we are, Lord. And for that, I'm so grateful. Because we recognize that we are sinners. Father, without you, we would be lost. And so, Father, as the centurion saw 2,000 years ago what you were doing for humanity, what you were doing for him, and he declared, this is truly the Son of God. I pray that every single day that goes by, we can declare with confidence that you are the Son of God. Father, if we've been complacent, forgive us. If we've not spent enough time with you, forgive us. Lord, we need you. Now more than ever. And we thank you for what you have done and are doing for us. And together, we ask all of these things. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our last hymn.